0: Hi, I'm your host, Tina Clark, and welcome to My Weirdest Experience Podcast. This is the podcast of the weirdest experience that has ever happened to you, and gives you a venue to fully express yourself and share your weirdest story with the world. This is the No Judgment Zone, a safe place to share your experience. It's also a place where we discuss what happened to you, and share some possible theories on what and why this happened. If you would like to be on the show, email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Hi, welcome to the show. I have Jerry Zare here today. He is the author of The Peacemaker's Path. He's also an ordained minister and former professional actor. Welcome to the show, Jerry.
1: Uh, Thank you. It's good to be here and be with your listeners today.
0: So two of the topics I mentioned to Jerry I was interested in talking about was forgiveness and how to forgive and also um, peacemaking. So I know Jerry might have some stories to share with us today about that. So I'll just let you have at it.
1: Well, thank you. And, you know, I really do believe forgiveness is. At the core of, of our understanding to be a peacemaker. Uh, if if we can't forgive others and even forgive ourselves, we find ourselves stuck uh, with a lot of uh, baggage, a lot of pain and woundedness. And so, and forgiveness is probably, I believe, one of the hardest spiritual principles um, for us to grow into in our lives. Certainly you know, patience and and listening. And some of those things are also important. And when we find inner peace and being a peacemaker, but forgiveness um, is that really um, one of the hardest things I, I I thought of when we think of this, you know, I, one of the first examples I can think of for myself, when I first started out some 30 years ago as a minister, and one of the people who was, who was a friend of mine in, in the church that I was a part of, and i as I got involved in interfaith work, he disagreed with the fact that we should be involved as Christians with muslims and jews and 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 our relationship shifted and and he got over against me and part of it was because his best friend in church really attacked me and and i you know I spoke out against him and and we had a real conflict and so um What I didn't realize until later was he found himself having to make a choice between my friendship and his friendship with his best friend. But so he ended up, you know, taking the side of his best friend, then telling things about me that weren't really true, but trying to diminish me as the pastor of the church. So I became very angry and, and he ended up leaving the church. Um, but I mean, I held on to that anger and that hurt. Like for the next three weeks, I'm thinking in my mind, what can I do to get back at him? What, what can I do to make him hurt like I was hurt? And my wife, you know, I, I'd be telling her how angry him and I feel. And I'd be saying things like, I want to put sand in his gas tank. I want, to, I want to, you know, strip his tires. And my wife would be going, Jerry, you aren't really going to do that, are you? And I'd go, Well, no, but I want to so bad, and and I realized after about a month of just holding on to that anger, he was already gone. He moved on in his life. He probably wasn't even thinking of me, and I was still stuck with that, and until I could learn how to forgive him, I was never going to move on. And the beginning process then for me of my own forgiveness was trying to understand why did he do the things he did? And as I started to think about that and reflect on that and even talk with somebody who was a friend of his and a friend of mine, I came to find out that, that it was more about, he felt like he, I was attacking his friend. And so he had to side with his friend and, and so once I had a little understanding of why he did what he did, I could actually get some perspective on it. And I could understand if I was in his shoes, maybe I would have felt a little differently. And so it, it gave me a sense of empathy, if you will. And that began the way for me to forgive. So when I talk to people about forgiving others, uh, a lot of times, you know, for me, it, it is understanding why people maybe have done what they did to us and maybe it isn't about us it's about something going on in their life but that's hard when you're in the midst of feeling wounded and hurt.
0: Um, I think that you can do that I think people can do that but how do you move to a place where you're not judging it still like Say you were looking at your friend and you found some reasons, or this man, you found some reasons why he acted that way, but you still don't agree with the reasoning or the actions as the, as the result of the reasons. Do you understand what, where I'm I going? I do. And, okay. And, you
1: know, it's interesting because, but in all of the faith traditions, when we talk about forgiveness, there's a part of saying that we need to forgive others. As we've been forgiven. Because in reality, we've all done things wrong. I've blown up and gotten angry at people. And I've, I've uh, you know, I've been in a debate or said something um, that I, I wish I could have taken back. So there has to come some sense of compassion, if you will, mm-hmm. that this is a human being, that they don't do it all right. I think the the big piece for it, though, is when you say, you know, you disagree with them, even though you can understand, you you might disagree with them in their point of view, but at least it's, it's coming to say, I'm not going to take it personally, that he did what he did out of who he was, and I'm not going to take that in. I'm not going to let that come in to me. And and when I can do that, when I'm feeling confident about myself, so that if somebody attacks me, I don't have to take that in, so I don't get wounded as deeply, it's even easier to forgive them a little more. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did that that answer that for you? For me, it's about having some sense of compassion um, and empathy, because... I need to be forgiven when I mess up. And if I can't forgive others, how can I expect others to forgive me? Right. But what
0: if it's a long-term thing? You know, they're like, it's a parent that abused someone, you know, in their childhood for years and years and years. How do you come to forgive that parent?
1: Wow. And I, I you know, I, I can think of that for myself. And one, I think, if you're in an abusive situation, you have to get out of that relationship. You know, I think we have to set healthy boundaries. And and that's what we kind of forget sometimes when we talk about loving others. We think, oh, well, it's our parent, or it's our spouse, or it's a friend, and I just need to put up with it. No. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, we can forgive, but not forget. And so part of it is I've had relationships where you know, I've been hurt and I might move on and can eventually forget them, but I'm not going to put myself back in that situation where they can hurt me again. Mm -hmm. So that's part of that. Now with parents, it's interesting. You know, my father gave me a lot of good things, but the one thing he had was a terrible temper. He was very driven. He, He didn't know how to deal with his own emotions and his anger. Um, and, you know, for the longest time, I, I was angry at him for all the hurt he had done to me. And it wasn't until later in my life, again, till I understood a little bit about his growing up. He was in a family of 10 kids, very strict father, very authoritarian father, that in fact, his father treated him like that. And, and so by my understanding, even though it wasn't right, and I was angry at it, at some point later in life, I could forgive him. Now, as an adult, when he started to talk to me in a destructive way, I said to him, hey, hold it. I'm not gonna let you talk to me that way anymore. And I remember his looking back at me like, okay. In fact, there was a really healthy thing by establishing that boundary But I could forgive him later in my life. And and that's hard, especially with parents, you know, when we've been wounded. Um, But it is to be able to finally step outside of ourselves and try to understand why that person was doing. I don't think somebody intentionally means to be a mean person. There's something that's happened in their life that's wounded them, that's made them who they are. Well, it's almost like he was just
0: repeating what his father did to him. And when you said, no, don't talk to me that way. It's like you snapped him out of it.
1: Well, and, and also, you know, when I got married, I was doing the same thing. I remember my daughter, my wife had two children. They were nine and 11. When we first got married, I unloaded. I went on a rant just like my father went. And I went out on the porch steps and I was crying. And my wife came out and said, what's wrong? And I said, I do not want to do to your kids what my father did to me. And I went into counseling. And, And I went into learning about that and understanding, you know, emotions. Because for a lot of, especially men, we aren't in touch with our feelings very much. We're all kind of intellectual And and so then I started to realize and learn about, you know, when I I was upset, I could feel the anger start to move in me. And rather than explode, I learned better ways of expressing my frustration in a healthy way. But that took some time of self-awareness and wanting to change and grow. Mm -hmm. But I do think, you know, we can do that.
0: So when you feel like you're getting angry or getting really upset with someone, what do you do? Because I know that I grew up with parents who would explode. Not Mm -hmm. a lot. Okay. But once in a while, there was a big explosion. So when I get worked up and upset, I get angry and I know I'm going to say things that are not nice. Or necessarily true and so what I'll do is I'll walk away you know I'll just get I'll leave the situation right away because I don't want to escalate it I know I'm getting really worked up and I don't want to say or do anything that I can't take back.
1: (laughs) Uh, I think that's I think that's wonderful that's very smart I part of it for me is being aware of what's happening inside. So if I can feel myself starting to tighten and angry and and starting to get a little threatened, you know, I have to breathe and I do some breathing. And I might even like when, with my wife, I, I might say, let's take a break, you know, or even when we're getting ready to talk about a financial issue or a problem or something that we, we, we know is, been a difficult issue for us to resolve, we might even say, okay, let's talk about this for 15 minutes and then just stop. Let's, let's, let's not go on and on and on. Because the other thing is, if you're tired, you know, and sometimes I'll check it out. It, are, are you at a place where you can talk about something right now? Or if, if my wife will say, are, are you in a place? I go, well, I'm, I'm really tired. I don't really want to talk right now. Usually what happens is somebody says something to us, and blindsides us, you know, like,
0: mm-hmm. well, why didn't
1: you do that? Or why did you do that? And then you're like, you're not ready for that. And so then you get attacked. And now you leap, leash out quickly. Because mm-hmm. you're not, you know, it's not like, oh, I can think and I can process. And you know, it's fight or flight, right? In our brain, the, prim- the primal part of ourselves. So when you're attacked, you immediately either withdraw or you fight back. And, I, and my response is always, I respond back so Mm -hmm. it's learning some of that uh, I think but being aware and like you're smart now you realize okay I just gotta walk away from this give me a break yeah
0: and then and then there's more there's more work to be done because then I asked myself why did I get triggered and where does this come from And, and then when I'm calmed down, I actually, this happened at the dinner table (laughs) and my youngest, she just said something that really triggered me. My other daughter was there. My husband was there and I was getting really worked up and I finished my dinner and I just left the table. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then later on, I, I was, when I calmed down, I was like, why did I react that way? And when I figured it out, I spoke to my husband about it and then I spoke to my girls about it. So they, they're not stuck with what happened. We don't know what happened, you know? I mean, I feel like when I grew up, my parents would get mad and I didn't understand why they got mad. They didn't explain it, you know? So it, it became this puzzle, but also scary to children because, you know, oh, well, I don't know what to say now, or I don't want them to worry about that. So I explained why. And I think they got it. Yeah.
1: I think that's wonderful. And the other thing is sometimes when you walk away from something, as you did, you came back to it later. And because some people don't want to deal with any conflict. So they just don't want to talk about it. Well, that's not healthy either, right? Right. I mean, you've got to finally talk about something. And it's Talking to each other without saying you did this, you know, talking about how I'm feeling, how I'm my own feelings, and and then being able to give some insight, uh, as you said, to understand what it is inside of us that triggers us, you know, that a lot of times, the reason I get upset is because I get blindsided, you know, now, or, or they say it to me in a way that I feel attacked. And so, you know, w- we talk about that with my wife and I. How do we talk to one another? That I'm more sensitive because I have a loud voice. I'm very intense, and so that can be very threatening to people. I've had to learn how to, you know, modulate myself, um, be able to have uh, not to become across so threat. Even though maybe I'm not intentionally meaning to be uh, threatening. But, uh, you know, as a guy and, and very intense person, it can come across that way. And not just with family. It, it can come across in a, you know, if you're in conversation with coworkers, and And that even happens more. Because and when you're with co-workers, um, you don't know each other as well. And so then you take, you assume what they're saying when you don't really know. And then you get upset. Mm-hmm. And so there's that whole piece about checking it out with them, meaning like, I felt like you really were attacking me. Are you upset with me? And then saying, but so were you upset with me? You know, and they go and then they might say, well, no, I wasn't upset with you. I just felt like uh, I disagreed with you. Yeah. It's, it's that whole process. And, and this is again, at the core of forgiveness, the whole process of being open to the other person's point of view, trying to 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 have some perspective. And, and also, as I said, forgiveness doesn't mean forget. But when we can feel love of ourselves, now we can feel confident of ourselves that we don't have to take things personally. So now the second part about forgiveness we could talk about is how do we forgive ourselves? Because really, I think for a lot of us, we can forgive others easier than we can forgive ourselves. Do you find that for yourself? Probably.
0: Yeah. Because if, if you're honest and you, you have that ego voice talking to you all the time, that's judging and scaring you and, (laughs) you know, bullying you and, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, if we talk to our friends and family, we would never talk to our
1: friends and family that way, the way we talk to ourselves. Boy, you're exactly right. And part of the reason that we have a hard time forgiving ourselves is because we are harder on ourselves. You know, you talk about the ego voice. I talk about it as the critic. So in my book, The Peacemaker's Path, uh, it's multi-faith reflections to deepen your spirituality. I've taken these six themes, That are in all of our major religions. And loving ourselves and loving others are two of the themes. And when we look at loving ourselves, I talk about the critic, that voice inside of us, as you said, you know, the critic inside of me is with somebody who's uh, judgmental, was anxious, um, was kind of a perfectionist. Um, And so, Maybe my friend would say, "Oh, Jerry, you, you're doing fine. Oh, Jerry, you did a great job." And the critic inside of me is saying, "Oh, Jerry, you messed up. You think people think you're good, but you're really not. Oh, Jerry, you know you're lazy. Oh, you're that, and all those things." And 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 we will listen to that voice more than we do, you know, a therapist or or a, a somebody else. And so I talk to people about first identifying that voice and, and then realizing, and like you said, if we put that into a person, if we did a personality, of somebody beside me, and I had this person beside me who was anxious, judgmental, um, you know, very kind of a perfectionist driven, I wouldn't want anything to do with that person. (laughs) Don't you think that voice is the same
0: for everybody or similar for everybody?
1: I think it's different because of our upbringing. For some people, some people maybe they were traumatized as a younger person. so there's a lot of fear. Um, For some people, uh, maybe they're very driven. So for me, my father was very driven. And and he would say, Jerry, you're lazy um, because I would maybe want to take a nap in the afternoon. Well, of course my father had a nervous breakdown at 52, right? Because he was so driven, he didn't know how to change. And I was driven. And so for a long time, I could never relax until I got physically sick. That gave myself permission to slow down. And and part of that critic voice inside of me was I finally realized, even though that voice inside said, Jerry, you're lazy, I go, I'm not lazy. I mean, I've I've worked, I've done this and this, I have two degrees, I, you know, I've I've done all these musicals, I've written two books. And so then when you can identify what the critic voice is, I started to realize I can change that. I can retrain my brain. Those thoughts are staying rent-free and we don't need to let them stay rent-free. Instead, so when that voice comes and says, Jerry, you're lazy, you can't do that. I now go, I don't even believe that because I've learned that as I can love myself, as a divine loves me. And I started affirming myself that I can realize those voices I'm gonna I'm gonna let go. Not they, they come into your brain, you can't stop them, but you just then go, okay, I'm out. Now I'm gonna have some other thoughts that are more healthier thoughts stay in my mind.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you ever said be quiet? <laughs> to
1: your ego <laughs> yeah, yeah I have too
0: I've I've had discussions with my ego because my ego would would like go to the worst case scenario you know and I had to train myself and I would I would feel myself going there and then I would say to myself no we're not going there today I'm not going to go down this route. I'm going to think about what I want to happen. And then I would just rehearse in my head what I wanted to happen.
1: So. Wow. I think that's so powerful. You know, in fact, one of the one of the whole themes that I write about is the law of attraction, karma. Uh, Jesus says, you reap what you sow. It's so interesting because once I got into the Buddhist scriptures, teachings, and Hindu scriptures, I found... Because as a Christian pastor, I knew that Jesus said, you reap what you sow, which is powerful. You know, What you sow, if you put out there anger and bitterness or, or negativity, it will come back to you. If you put out there goodness and joy and love and generosity, it comes back to you. Well, that was a teaching that Confucius taught, that Taoism in, from China, that Tao taught, that Buddha taught, and it was called karma. So so then you go, wow, this universal truth about our intentionality and our thoughts manifest into our body and also into our future. And and that's that's what I've loved about researching and writing this book, because I didn't want to write a book of theology. I want to write a practical, uh, it's a 40-day reflection with, you know, each day having some reflection and then the scriptures from the different faith traditions. And so like with karma and, and some of that, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it, it helps you realize your thoughts get manifested. And like you said, you decided what you want to focus on.
0: Yeah, I took a course in college on, on Buddhism, Judaism. Um, and christianity and uh, we also studied taoism too and i remember uh, confucius said something similar to what jesus said is do unto others as they have them done to you and i was like blown away that they said the same things different cultures different timelines right right
1: right yeah and, and it's even what's amazing to me is, you know, Confucius was thousands of years before Jesus in a whole different co- country, different culture. And to me, it actually, it, it makes me affirm even more that there's a universal intelligence. If you call it God or higher power, or universal consciousness, I believe there is that consciousness in the universe that comes to us that, and as, as we are open more to it, we can be empowered by the divine within us and beyond us and some of the great teachers have been open to that more they've meditated they they reflect they read uh maybe they just have you know their their brain work is better is a certain way but the wonderful thing is we can i think all of us um live into our future of what we desire Dr. Bruce Lipton had a book called The Biology of Belief, and he talked about how our thoughts get manifested into our biology, into our chromosomes, into our, you know, somebody who's very anxious, some very, very driven, um, there are physical things that happen in your body. (laughs) And when you're in peace and joy and love, your body, you have more energy, you feel lighter, uh, you're not depressed. Um, All of those Thoughts get manifested in our body and then also in our actions, and into the world and into the world i i you know i in fact a a great example of how this happened um there was in our i live outside of indianapolis indiana in carmel suburb and there was this 18 and 19 year old uh boy and girl who uh, this couple lived in a small little town outside somewhere and in their little apartments, or they had like a little house, I guess. And they had swastikas and Confederate flags and all this stuff. So they they came over to the synagogue in our city and spray painted swastikas all over the temple. This was on a Thursday evening. So through social media, we said, we're going to have a service of solidarity. And on Monday evening at seven o'clock, now, seven o'clock, people are getting off work. Most of us, We want to stay home we don't want to go out somewhere this was on a 7 p.m almost a thousand people showed up at the synagogue the synagogue could only hold up 450 inside the temple so there was people outside of the parking lot parents with their children who said we want their children to see that we stand in for love and solidarity not for hatred and the ripple effect of that positive experience went into our community and overflowed into Indianapolis and uh, many other things that happened after that. And I always wondered, I, I, I would have, well, the gentleman got caught because, of course, they had cameras on the synagogue and they caught the 18 and 19 year old. And the guy was 19. It was a hate crime. So he ended up going to jail for five years, had a felony. And I wanted to go to to the jail where he was at, the federal prison, and say, did you know what happened, all the good things that happened because of what you did, because we responded in a positive way? And to say, would you have done it again, now that you see what it did to your life? My hunch is he probably would say, now maybe he'd be cynical and really hard, maybe maybe he'd say, yes, I'd do it again. But maybe he might have said, being a 19-year-old, you know, I thought it was now I realize how stupid it was and I regret it and I would have forgiven him.
0: Yeah, I'm sure, you know, people do things without thinking, you know, people make mistakes and, and people say a lot of things that they don't mean or just because someone says it doesn't mean they mean it forever, you know, because we're always changing and always evolving.
1: Oh, and and that's that part, isn't it, about, I think back on some of the things I did when I was younger, and so that's for us to have some compassion for other people who've done some really stupid things or mean things, you know, for us, against us, and that's that part when we talk about forgiving ourselves, it, it is about loving ourselves, coming to let go of the critic and affirming ourselves seeing ourselves as God sees us, as that loving and and the child of God, so that when, maybe if, because this happened to me, people would give me a compliment, and I'd say, oh, thank you, but it really wasn't that good, you know, I might do a Mm -hmm. speaking engagement or something, and 99 people would say good things, but the one person who said, oh, I thought you should have talked about that, I'd go home, and I'd stew on the one person, you know, Oh, I didn't, you know, why didn't I do that? I could have done better. And now I've shifted and I've done this now over the last 20 years, but it's taken me some time. I mean, I didn't, I didn't arrive at this. This has taken me a journey, right? So I don't Mm want to, some of your listeners who are in their twenties and thirties or even forties, don't be too hard on yourself. Realize it takes some time, but I did start to now I go, well, thank you. And, and I, I, I affirm and and let that come in. Cause when I grew up, we weren't to be too prideful. We weren't, we weren't to feel too much of ourselves. And that is unhealthy. Mm-hmm. I think there's good things about feeling good about ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, feeling who we are and affirming. So when we look in the mirror in the morning, rather than going, oh, you got gray hair and you're getting wrinkling, you're gaining weight, try to go, well, you know, hey, at least you got some hair today. You're not bald, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and just that you're healthy. I'm alive. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I've
0: struggled with is criticism. And I know where that comes from. You know, I just, uh, growing up, I was almost a perfectionist because I was trying to stay out of trouble and, um, I I just don't deal with criticism very well. I'll admit it. Like, I I go, who is this person to criticize me? They don't know. They usually, they may not know who I am, really, or they don't know my background. They don't know how I grew up. You know what I mean? How could you take criticism um, better, you know, instead of getting upset or angry?
1: Well, well, I, I wonder... And and I don't know, I mean, I, I asked this a question, I think for me, part of it was, even though I didn't like what they said, there was a part of me that maybe believed they were true. And so I got angry, almost like, um, you know, they said, oh, well, you didn't do that. Jerry, you uh, you didn't do that presentation very well. You stuttered or you weren't very organized. Well, maybe a part of me thought, well, I, I really wasn't as organized as I could have been. And, and so I get angry almost like um, you're calling me out and I'm embarrassed um, because when somebody says something to you that's so preposterous, let's say, um, <laughs> what would somebody would maybe say to you something that you wouldn't get upset about? You know, let's. can you think of an example of something that somebody would criticize you for that you know is just so untrue? Is there something that somebody could say to you that you'd go, you almost laugh at, right? I, let's say, I mean, if somebody said to you, you are the meanest person in the world. <laughs> well, you'd almost laugh at that, wouldn't you? Right, right. Because, you know, I, okay, I might be mean sometimes, but I'm not the meanest person in the world. Or somebody... <laughs> if somebody says, you know, um, you're the ugliest person in the world. Well, so what happens is I find as I love myself more, as I feel more confident in myself, you know, I'll go, somebody says, well, Jerry, you know, you really didn't treat those people very well. Okay, well, let me think about it. Um, maybe I was a little sharp at one of the persons who asked a question, but but I, I did okay. I, so for me, the, the reason why I took criticism is I didn't feel as secure about myself.
0: But, you know, I would, I would look at, say, your example of, of uh, a sermon that you did and then, and then someone criticized it, you know, oh, you stuttered. You know, it's, it's the fact that you worked so long on that I mean, I'm sure for a sermon, you have to prepare, you have to write notes, you have to reflect, you have to think about so much energy and time went into that. And then for someone to just pick out something so
1: small. It's almost funny. Right. Really? I mean, it's almost like ludicrous, really, that you yeah. would pick out one little thing <laughs> That says so much more about that person yeah. than it does me. Well, part so, of it is they don't realize. I don't think
0: those people realize how much work goes into it. You know, they don't understand, or maybe they don't care. You know, they yeah, don't. They don't get like that. You worked so much on it, and so.
1: And that's when I say, don't take things personally. Mm-hmm. When your 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 child or your spouse or somebody you know, says, oh, but you're just the worst mom in the world, you know, you, you know, you, you don't really love us like that. I mean, you know, you, you go enough of going, okay, that says something about them, not me. I know mm-hmm. that I'm doing the best I can. Right. What, what is it that they're so upset about? Well, you know, they could be frustrated with themselves. They could feel rejected because their boyfriend didn't like them. There, there's a lot of things. That people are upset about that they dump on you.
0: Mm-hmm. And I know that when I'm tired, I don't deal with stress or anything like that very well. You know, it's almost like I'm a sensitive person, but my sensitivity right. is heightened
1: right. when I am tired. <laughs> and, 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 you know, as sensitive people, as, as a caregiving people, which we have a tendency to overfunction overcare for, overdo, we have to learn how to toughen up some. Yeah. There's a self-care. There's a part of, you know, the great Jesus says, love your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, so many of us have forgot the sense of loving ourselves. We love others, but we think about loving ourselves as being egotistical or being self-centered. And that's not true. Loving yourself is about self-care. It's about saying, and I, I just had this conversation with with this lady who has five kids, and she and the kids sleep in bed with them. Uh, I mean, she, she has a hard time setting boundaries because she's about I'm a mother. I'm to give everything of what I can to my kids. And I said to her, You're exhausted. You're you're not good as a parent because you can't set healthy boundaries. Well, then she got angry at me Mm -hmm. because she's like, I'm, I'm a good mom. I know how I know better how to love my kids than you do, you know? And I'm like, okay, I'm just, I'm offering something to you to think about. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's the truth, but the fact that she got so upset about it says to me, there might've been some truth that she got angry because maybe she really didn't set boundaries for her kids. Well, it it
0: all comes down to decisions and consequences. You know, every day we make decisions, there's consequences to those decisions, and you have to own up to that, you know, and if you're unhappy with the results, you've got to change what you're doing.
1: And, and you know, and I, what I appreciate about you and your podcast and your listeners who are listening, there are people who are already asking those questions we're already beginning to do some self-awareness. Until you you have some self-awareness, looking inward and asking questions, um, you're never really going to grow. Because one one of the things I've realized is I can't change another person. I can only change myself. You know, for the first five years of our marriage, my wife and I've been married for 37 years. For the first five years of my marriage, I tried to change her. I tried to get her to be, to do what I wanted and to do. Well, I realized she's her person. I can only change how I'm going to be. Now we can negotiate and compromise and she can make choices and I can explain things that I need. And in any relationship, there's needing for compromise, but ultimately I can only change myself.
0: Yeah. And then I want to add to that you're not responsible for people's reactions either, because you could have the best of intentions, you you could have done the perfect speech, and someone will react badly to it, (laughs) and that is not your responsibility, you do the best that you could, and if someone has a bad reaction, then they need to own that.
1: And that's why I say don't take things personally. Right, exactly. It's so important. I mean, I actually had that on my mirror for some for some time because I had to read. That was a new thought to me, and I was training it. So I was I had that quote. Uh, another one that I had for a while was, "Be gentle with yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Give yourself some grace. You know, cut yourself some slack, because." We're harder on ourselves than we are on other people. The same way, we're harder on our spouse or our kids than we are on others, you know? And and because we almost think we can get away with it. Oh, my spouse will love me. Even if I get upset and dump on them, they'll just put up with it. Mm -hmm. But our friend or our coworker, we would never talk to our coworker the way we talk to our spouse at times or our kids, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we just wouldn't do it. But we think somehow I get tired and I'm frustrated. So then I yell at my kids and, you know, and just yell at them. Well, you never yell at somebody else. But we think we can do it because, oh, they're our family. They're supposed to love us. Well, that's not right. We should treat our spouse better than anybody else. We should honor them and lift them up more than we do our coworkers. Wow. What if you do that? What do you think about that? I
0: think that's what we should be doing. And that's and, not know, necessarily of, what we are doing, but we should be well, doing because,
1: that. Because a lot of times we have hurt feelings. We have things in our, that we hold on to in our past, you know, and, and, and because you live with somebody, it's not like you can just forget those things. So those things are there. I, I, I responded very abruptly to, to my wife the other day, and I responded and I realized, and I apologized for it later. And I realized it was because of something earlier that she had done, that the wound was kind of there and it just opened up again, right? And so that's that healing process. And the more we can forgive and work it through, and, and become aware so that I hope that the next time when she says something, I won't respond so abruptly. I'll have a better sense of uh, being more aware. And, and the more self-aware we are of our feelings and our emotions before we speak, listening before we speak, the better we are. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I work on that. That's a hard thing for me.
0: Oh, me too. And you've been married for 37 years. So you never stop working on it. Um, I've right. been married. I've been with my husband for 21 years. So yeah, you're Good always you. working on it. And you don't give up too. Um, and, and when, things know, ca- when things get bad in a marriage, you just, you just stay at it. Keep going.
1: I mean, there are certain times, there are certain marriages where there's abuse or infidelity or there's, there's certain reasons that are so unhealthy that you the other person isn't willing to work it out you know you're willing to go to counseling and they aren't willing to work but for a lot of us it's just about it's hanging in there and trying to learn and and that which is really segueing into the other area you wanted to talk about was peacemaking Mm -hmm. because you know to be a peacemaker in our world we're so divided right now. We're so polarized. So everybody has their own point of view and nobody wants to listen to each other. Um, And, you know, we find ourselves on Facebook. I just have all the friends who I agree with. I don't, if somebody really disagrees, I just unfriend them. Uh, I listen to, you know, my TV show or my news that's like I am. So we don't, you know, listen, like a lot of times, I like to listen to Fox News and MSNBC. I like to hear different perspectives on an issue. And what's amazing is because these guys on talk radio, these men and women on talk radio, they make money by by inflating it, by making it bigger than that, you know, getting people to watch them. Um, and so, you know, that's been the unhealthy thing in our society is social media. uh Because people want them to listen and watch us. People say things more dramatic, more embellishing. um, That isn't even true. And that just makes us move to farther parts. Because we get fearful and we we get hardened in our own point of view.
0: So you think we're actually emulating the media? Like the way we talk to each other and what we're talking about?
1: I, I do think the media has influenced us. I mean, we've always had, you know, disagreements and talk with people. Um, and so, you know, we forget that in the 1960s, we, there was a lot of turbulence going on, but we didn't have as many of the social media outlets. The other thing is because of the pandemic, people have been at home. There's been a lot more frustration and fear. And, and so when we're fearful, when we're afraid, And if we don't know people, um, we make judgments about them. And so in reality, you know, the Taliban is now there. And everybody thinks all Muslims are like the Taliban. Well, in reality, there's 1.2 billion Muslims in the world. And the Taliban takes the most conservative, fundamentalist view of the Quran, just like we have some Christians who take, you know, the scriptures of Jesus in very conservative, negative ways, and have justified their actions, you know, like their crusades, we killed thousands of people in the name of Jesus. There are people now who are white supremacists, who justify their actions and their racism uh, as Christians. That's not what Jesus really taught But they find one verse, or they'll try to justify calling themselves Christians, the same way the Taliban calls themselves Muslims, and they have their perspective. But I would suggest, at the core teachings of the Quran, the core teachings of the Hindu and Buddhist scriptures are all really about love. But most of us have never read the Quran or the Hindu scriptures, so we just believe what's on TV. We, we, you know, we listen to the TV and they tell us that, you know, these people are that all Muslims are like the Taliban. Well, then we believe it or we watch TV shows that, you know, are, are they're not even they're fiction. They're not reality, mm-hmm. but we almost believe it. Yeah.
0: Don't believe what they tell you. Do your own research and reading.
1: And, and, and it's, studying, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I mean, it's it ultimately, it's you know, what is truth and what do we believe? But, but I would just suggest that not to bl- make blanket statements on any group of people, to say, oh, all people from Texas are a certain way. Are all people, you know, who are, um, you know, people who are Italian are part of the mob, the mobia You know, that was kind of a stereotype <laughs> for people in New York who are Italian. Yeah. Everybody thought they were part of the mafia, you know. <laughs> you felt sorry for them, you know. Or they or, knew someone
0: uh, in the mafia. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Or are, you know, all Mexicans are immigrants, you know, illegal immigrants, you know.
0: Yeah, and it's not and, true. It's, it's
1: no, of course not. And 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 anytime you make blanket statements, but and so there is a sense of our listening and learning and asking questions. Uh, And I think that's, that's the best thing is when you can learn about somebody else, the same way people, you know, until they meet somebody who's Jewish, maybe they never knew a Jewish person, they never knew somebody who, uh, they had certain stereotypes of somebody who was gay until they met a gay person, and then they found out, well, okay, they're just like me,
0: Mm -hmm. right? So how do you become more of a peacemaker, especially during these times where everybody's arguing um, about politics, about medical choices, about, you know, anything Your my neighbors complain about um, the other neighbors not curbing their dog on their lawn. I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, well, the I- whole gamut right there.
1: Right. I mean, I think you're right. And I, at at some, at the basic point, I think I want to listen. I want to listen. I want to help. When somebody feels like they're being heard and valued, they no longer are as angry. A lot of what is happening today is because there's so much change going on and people don't like change. And so we get angry, or we get afraid, and then it comes out in some other ways, you know. Um, and I get angry at my neighbors because they're always, you know, parking their car right in front of my driveway, or are their their kids their kids' toys or whatever are out there in the street, and 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 so then it's being able to have relationship, to have conversation. Um, I talk about speaking the truth in love. I can go to my neighbor and say, "Well, you tell your kids to get their toys out of there, out of the driveway, because you know they're in the street all the time," or to have some conversation with somebody before you talk about something of conflict. I mean, if you have no relationship to somebody, how do you think you can ever resolve an issue? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it 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 is very. To be a peacemaker means I have to build relationships, and relationships are more important than any political point of view, or any religious point of view. And you know, I've had members in my own family who voted for Trump, and people who voted for Hillary Clinton, and I just sometimes wouldn't wouldn't go there. I wouldn't let us don't let the relationship get lost because of somebody's point of view now i would try to understand i said like well help me understand why you voted for trump because i know you're not a racist and you know and and for a lot of people who were of the left they portrayed all trumps as bigoted racist people well that's not fair the same way all the people voted for hillary clinton aren't bleeding liberal socialist communists you know Mm-hmm. And so once you listen and understand somebody's point of view, then you can maybe find something common ground. So actually, with the person who voted for Trump, I said, "Well, you know, I, I, I agree that I thought, you know, uh, both parties are really locked in, and I can see how having somebody from the outside would maybe be a possibility." Or I found something that I thought Trump did, and I affirmed that, and, and so we could find something that we had, that we joined together. Um, And I think that's part of the way, you know, in in fact, I could tell you all the things that I don't like about the Catholics, or Muslims, or Jews, or Mormons, or Roman, you know, Greek Orthodox. You could always find something you disagree with or don't like, Mm -hmm. but I choose to find something that we have in common something that we can find common ground with and that to me is the beginning of being a peacemaker
0: exactly a peacemaker is in the in the middle in the that gray area between the polarity of views
1: you know it's interesting so when um i was a pastor in a church down in florence kentucky and a church of scientology bought out the baptist church and the news media came they thought oh this is a big deal church of scientology in the city and and of course you know if you don't know a lot about the church of scientology they have some very different point of view um i don't know a lot about them so you know it's not even fair to make a judgment about them because i only know kind of what the media has said right so i said though to the people in the media, now. Our points of view, theologically, might be very different, but I do know that they're very committed to getting girls off the street and stopping the, uh, the trade, you know, um, sex trade or what's that called? Girls, you know, being used uh, in the sex trade. And I said, I will join with them in the things that we can join together with and find things in common. And you know that, and I went to the person who was uh, in the Church of Scientology, and i I said, "I want to meet down and have coffee with you and we made some connection together, and we were good neighbors, and I think that's okay,
0: yeah, you're right. It's a lot more complex. You can't just say all the Trump voters are this, and all the Biden voters are this. It just it's more complicated than that. It's not that simple.
1: I mean, I, I really wish that I could meet a white supremacist. I'd like to have a conversation because I think I could find something that we'd have in common. Now, some people would say, Well, because you talk to them, you're condoning their actions. No, I'm not condoning their actions. And I will speak out when somebody, when people are doing harm to another and say those actions are harmful. But because somebody's actions are harmful doesn't mean that person isn't still a human being. And that's what I want to affirm. And that's very hard, I realize. Because when we've been hurt and wounded, a lot of my black friends have been, you know, have had a prejudice and racism on them. And it's hard, but I love it when, when I had black friends who, who say, you know, I don't hate all white people and, and I will work with building ways of understanding. Mm-hmm. I think
0: one of the problems with social media is back to the relationship building is if you have an issue with your neighbor, don't post it on oh. Facebook, go and talk to them about it Uh, you know ask questions don't accuse ask questions you know I noticed that you park your truck in front of my house every day and you know they may get defensive but it's better than just putting it complaining on Facebook about it that doesn't do anything
1: no and in fact that's that's the whole thing about the social media and even email when you put something in an email It's so easy for that person to take it the wrong way because Mm -hmm. you're not having conversation. You and I are having conversation. I can hear the tone of your voice. I can check it out with you, you know? And so now when we're here together, I might say, well, I just help me understand why do you park your car right in front of my house every day when there's other spaces? Is there a reason for that? And they might go, well, no, it's just, I thought, okay, Well, here's the thing. It kind of blocks my view. Would you try to do the other side? Or maybe they'll say, well, it's the only place that I can park it. I mean, you know, there's you can have the conversation, right? right? Or they could
0: even say, I didn't realize I had the habit of parking my car in front of your house. You know, it could be kind of innocent, believe it or not. People don't really overthink things. They just do things and they don't have an agenda
1: and, and it's, it, you know, it's easier with that. It's harder when somebody's yelling in your face, right? Right. And right. people are screaming at you. But uh, I, I remember one time our daughter, you know, she was going through her own stuff and she's just screaming. And I, by that point, I learned how to control my emotions. And I said, I want you to know I'm loving you by not, you know, choking you right now. You know, <laughs> and, and, and she just you know, I said, take a break you know but but i do think that it, it it is it begins that inner peace working on our own thing working on what triggers us what gets us upset mm-hmm. and 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 learning how to love ourselves so we can feel more confidence we can feel a better sense of our own personhood because when i can feel my own self worth, and I can feel like I have something to contribute and I feel okay about myself, then I can engage with somebody who's different than me and not get so threatened. Right. And, and that's you know part of the thing is um, that I wanna be open. I want to learn. I have some family members who still grew, live in the small town um, where I grew up in who never left that religion, that church background so they have a very close set mindset. they've never met people from another country or never you know listen to other points of view. That's the wonderful thing about podcasts and people your listeners. when you can listen to other point of view and and maybe that it's not all like yours, it can help you to expand your your understanding
0: mm-hmm. I actually purposely l- listen to Stuff that I don't agree with. I read and listen to views that I don't agree with because I'm curious to know, you know, where they're coming from on that. And I think that is truly the open minded approach that you're not just listening and and reading things that agree with your belief system. That you look outside your belief system.
1: But, I, I think you're right. And yeah, and, and that's yeah. and and that's that's the real challenge, isn't it? And and for us um, in, who are in the middle trying to help bring that together, you know, it's we're 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 in a very chaotic time. There's a lot of change, a lot of things are going on, and it's very fearful, and that's happening. But but I want to suggest there's always something good that can come out of chaos the world was created out of chaos new things emerge you know when everything's going very smoothly that's pretty status quo something out of chaos changes like one of the things i've seen out of the pandemic it's caused all of me at least and a lot of people to become more technology technological tech, you know alert mm-hmm. <laughs> i can't even say that word but You know, have some technology. Here we are doing a Zoom call, podcasting. I I never did that two years ago. Um, I, I am having conversation with people in Singapore, in London, in Australia, and how wonderful to be able to realize in a world community, we're much more connected than we ever have been. We are
0: we are but we got to use it more responsibly
1: sure of course and and that's always the good and the bad side right and 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 i always say don't give up you know i mean it might feel like um you know the the polarity and people who are screaming are winning but love wins love Mm -hmm. overcomes and and sometimes we don't see the harvest the seeds we sow, we don't see the effect of that, the ripple effects, and we don't see the harvest of that. All we can do is do our part. Somebody said to me, well, Jerry, if you knew there was no heaven, would you still be a minister? You know, would you still try to live the life with interfaith work that you're doing? And I said, of course, because I'm living my life, not for the hereafter, although, because none of us know what the hereafter is. I have some hope, That there's something after and even quantum physics now you know in science says there's more than one dimension in the universe we know that energy cannot be destroyed and so the essence of each of us i think will go beyond into another dimension or with god but even if there's not anything else i've lived my life because the principles of jesus and buddha the teachings of compassion and forgiveness Um, and uh, generosity have made my life so rich, so much more. When I was in my 20s, I was very selfish. It was only about myself. I was trying to move up the ladder of success. I didn't really care about anybody else. I was very anxious and worried and striving for success. And when when I realized that was very empty, and inside my soul was empty, That's when I began my spiritual awakening and started looking inward and beginning my own spiritual journey.
0: Well, thank you so much, Jerry, for being on the show and talking about these topics. They're not easy to talk about, um, but I think the more we talk about them, the more comfortable we're going to be with the concepts and, striving to be more forgiving and more of a peacemaker in the world so would you share with the audience how to get your book where they can contact you
1: okay yeah it's the peacemaker's path multi-faith reflections to deepen your spirituality it's a 40 day it has 40 different days of reflection there are six themes that are in it so you can read it by a week, or one a day, or for the whole book through, and you can get that on Amazon, or on my website, which is jerryzare.com, and I have some of my other blog writings, and if you want to contact me, go to my website there, but you know, the the most encouraging thing i found for me is that some people who gave up on God, um, because maybe they grew up in a very legalistic church background, or they were turned off, they've actually Um, somebody has given them this book and it's been the beginning place of them beginning to open up to see God in a much bigger way in a much newer way um, than some of the old teachings they had and to find that God's love uh, is so universal and how they can know and each of us know we are truly a child of God.
0: Well, thank you so much, Jerry. I enjoyed talking with you.
1: Thank you, I did too.
0: Hi friends, thanks for listening. This is your host of the Weirdest Experience podcast, Tina Clark. I also wanted to share with you, I have my own energy healing business called Stargazing Angel LLC. I offer energy healing sessions, EFT tapping sessions, tarot readings, and I also offer classes on Reiki, shamanism and tarot and more. If you're interested in having a session with me, please call 843-695-7218 or you can email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. You can also check out my website, which is www.tinakinneclark.com. That's T-I-N-A-K-I-N-N-E-Y-C-L-A-R-K-E. Thank you for listening. If you have a weird experience to share, please email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Check out our website on tinakinneyclark.com. Also, we're on Facebook, and like us on Facebook and share your favorite episodes with your friends and family. I look forward to hearing about your weirdest experience.